Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is winning at work and home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. So we're going to get started here. Um, today we are going to be talking about uh, living the good life, and uh, let's pray for our speaker, Pastor Greg. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here today. Thank you, God, for blessing us in such rich ways. Uh, thank you for the wonderful teachings that we have received, God. Thank you for showing us how we can make key moves in our lives to become better, Lord, to be more Christ-like, to be more like you, and to live for you and to shine for you. I pray, God, that you would uh, lift Greg up here and uh, just speak mightily through him. Give him words, God, to get your message out, knowing, God, that, uh, that when we're led by your spirit, um, that's the best place to be. And so I just pray that uh, you'd help him to speak boldly and mightily, and that you'd help us to be open and receptive to the message you have for us today. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Travis. I feel so important when I turn on the TV and see Travis on. It's like, I know him. That's good. He does a good job. Every time I blink, I'm thinking about you. So. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you should not be. Write down key move. Don't think about your pastor that much. <clears throat> um, it's kind of funny. I uh, During the hurricane, I called him up and I said, uh, Travis, I need to know what's going to happen. What's the deal? Friday. Big storm coming. Here comes the gray clouds. Saturday, total disaster. It's out. Power's out all across the nation. Got to go. I'm on air in five minutes. Bye. That was it. So he gave me the whole lowdown of what was going to happen. Well, um, I wanted us, we're going to talk a little bit about the good life. And so we're going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to run a risk that I haven't run with y'all before, but I'm going to ask you a question in just a second and you're going to have to answer. Okay. So you're going to have to have a little conversation and try to keep y'all awake and keep me awake and that sort of thing. What are some ways, what are some things that people that we see out there that folks say, this is the good life for a man? What's a example of something that is kind of propaganda of what what a good life is, and what is it that they're saying? Somebody will be brave and be our, our first one. Yes, sir. Power over your own life. Over your own life. That's good. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. What's an example that you've seen that? Do you have an example in your mind? Uh, the aggressive entrepreneur. Yep, that's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you work for him? No. Okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And you can kind of get that power thing going. It's good. One time Kelly told me, she goes, I don't work for you. <laughs> and I went, wow, <laughs> I need to work on what's that key move? I need to work on that one. You know, but you get where you're rolling around all day, kind of people are doing and you're working on teams and they're working for you and you're working for them and these things like that. And then you just come home and your whole job sometimes as a man in our offices are to find what's wrong and fix it. Right. So you get home and you get dinner and you go, what's up with the carrots? That's a bad move right there, right? 
because you're trying to you you assess the plate and determine that you didn't want carrots on there and what's you know whatever it is and I didn't do that one don't worry just an example but that's a good example yeah that we can get that power thing going that we get a little bit too aggressive somebody else where's the good life found it's found in power nice cars sure yeah possessions yeah that's good that's right pardon me Golf, there you go. Yeah, good life or bad life, depending on how you're doing that day. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Something else. Babes at your beck and call. Babes at your beck and call. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can I've never experience that, you know. But uh, so I hear. But yeah, that's that's a that's a true. And you see that, you know, it's this this playboy bachelor type that just walks out and does his thing and, and does it whenever he wants to type deal. That's true. Somebody else. I think the good life is found uh, for many of us. This will take it out of the sin category and put it into to just the life category. I think we try to find it in success. And then each one of us has a certain way of determining what success is. We all know how to jockey for position within our organization that we're at each day or jockey position in life in general, you know, and so you end up with this success being this model, this this thing that's hanging out there that if I could just get success, then I've got the good life. And what's funny is the success line always moves. Remember when you were in college and you thought, man, if I just had a job and I just had a place to live and you thought, man, this is it. And then now you got a mortgage, you know, you've got a job. Uh, how many are married in this room? All right. How many single guys we have? Okay, good. That's perfect. That's fine. So you get these these thoughts of what success is going to be, and then you end up getting there. And when you get there, you realize there's ants at the picnic, right? Nothing's perfect. You don't just roll out the blanket and just have a great time with everything. You you roll out the blanket and you realize there's ants at the picnic. So now you're stressed about the job. You're worried about this. You're worried about the, that. And the good life begins to uh, elude us. And evaporate. Well, I think about as I was thinking about the good life this morning. Um, I thought about two things. One, I thought about the commercials that we see. You know, we've talked about that before. And this, when you see the commercials, it is showing what it is to have the good life, right? And when there, when there even a, a commercial like a beer commercial that was the good life, or it was the high life. There it is. Yeah, the high life. And here's what it is. And what what is a beer commercial? Is basically a bunch of girls. A bunch of power, a bunch of freedom, you know. Do you have do you have a little captain in you, you know, type thing? And so it's this, here's the good life, is to be that guy. And here's the thing, I'll share with you a little bit more of my testimony. Before I became a Christian, and it was in a high school category, I was trying to be that guy. You know, and all of us, or not all of us, but maybe some of us have experimented in some of those things. And it's miserable. There's a proverb that says, though, the, though, the, uh, though there's laughter in the mouth, the heart aches. And that's what you've got to look and you've got to see through that and realize that the laughter in the mouth, the heart aches. Um, you know, my son, we, we watch sports and so every commercial is Viagra or beer, you know. So we try to switch to noggin, you know, during commercials and, and go. And so he was asking me one, one time, he said, Dad, look at that pitcher of beer over there. We were at like a pizza place or something. And I said, yeah, you know what it looks like? And he goes, what? And I go, looks like a big pitcher of horse pee, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Does it taste like horse pee? Is what he asked me. I said, kind of does, really, to tell you the truth. You know, and so 
that good life of just trying to pull it back down, of saying, what is the good life? I think of another thing um, in high school. Uh, I had a, a poster up. Some of you children of the 80s might remember this poster. It said, choices, choices, choices. And it had a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and a Porsche. And it was like, choices, choices, choices. Which car am I going to drive today? And so I, I think back to my room. What was it that I had on the walls of my room growing up? I had all these Ferraris and Porsches and all this stuff because I thought the good life must be Magnum P.I., you know, at the day when that was all the, the, the hip show. Remember that? You know, and it was basically these things that he had. He had this mansion that he had no responsibility for, but he got to use, Robin Leach's mansion. He would go out into the surf of Hawaii and swim to begin the day. Then he had a red Ferrari that he could pull a gun on people, and then some pretty girl would come along in Hawaii with a, with a hula skirt and a, a flower necklace type thing. And so Magnum was kind of the guy. And then he had a cool name, you know, going, you know, so that was good. It wasn't just, you know, Smith P.I. You know, that wasn't quite as good. So Magnum, and here it is. And so you have this good life thing. So that's what we're going to be in our books. If you got your books... Page 44 is what we're going to look at. And we're going to look at what it is and what it isn't. What it is and what it isn't. Number one, uh, what it isn't. It isn't wealth and possessions. It isn't wealth and possessions. What it is, is close friends. Oh, we're going down ways. Okay, no, no, that's cool. You can go down. I just didn't know which way I was going. Wealth and possessions is what it isn't. Let's go down to what it isn't. The second one, it's not beauty. It's not beauty, okay? So we've just nailed two of the things that we mentioned. It's not beauty, and that's particularly more in, in, in the uh, females, I would think, than you, because uh, we don't have a chance at beauty. You know, it's not going to happen. Number three, thrilling experiences. It's not thrilling experiences. And number four, it's not personal accomplishments. Now, what we just described of our society presenting that to us, of what the good life is, it's really these four things, isn't it? It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Same thing First John's been saying for a long time. W.A. Criswell put it like this. Glitter, gold, and gals is how it comes out, that what, what gets men. And the same thing, wealth and possessions is the glitter. The beauty is the gals, the thrilling is, uh, uh, gold, glitter, and gals, the gold. And then we've got the glitter of the personal accomplishments and the thrilling experiences. And that's what we end up thinking that that's what's going to make the good life. But what happens? Most of us, our lives are not an everyday thrilling experience, right? You wake up in the morning, you go to the shower, you put on your clothes, you're tired. I told a guy, he's a new dad, and he said, you know, I'm just really tired right now. He has an eight-month-old. I said, I think you need to just kind of bank on about 15 more years of tired. You just need to go ahead and bank on it. You're going to be tired forever, you know, until maybe retirement, you know, is when you retire being tired. I don't know. But to be able to know that it's just going to happen like that, and so for us to see that the good life is not just these personal accomplishments, it's not just uh, getting all these things done. Our lives, most of the time, are wake up in the morning, go to the office, come home, play with the kids a little bit, come home, hang out with your friends, whatever it is that you're doing, and then go to sleep and do it all over again. And whenever you think the good life is thrilling accomplishments, and you get to the office, how's that report going to really equate to a thrilling accomplishment? And it's not going to work to just have it on one day when you go out to uh, climb a, the Grand Tetons, you know, one week in the summer type thing. So these things I have seen in my life, I have been incorrect for many years of my life because I thought that one of these, a combination of these, would equate into the good life. 
and this won't do it. Now, this is not bad. I hope you think your wife is beautiful. That's great. I hope, single guys here, I hope you meet the prettiest lady that loves the Lord and y'all live happily ever after. That's great. Thrilling accomplishments. We should put those in our lives. That's important. Personal accomplishments. That's good, too. So these aren't bad. Let's not throw sin and holiness out, okay? So what is it? Number one, what it is, is it's close friends. Instead of wealth and possessions, it's close friends, okay? Number two... It's a good marriage. It's a good marriage. So the first thing you got is wealth and possessions is not it. It's close friends and a good marriage. Number three, not thrilling experiences but control over your life. That you're not just living wild and crazy. And number four, a vibrant faith. Vibrant religious faith. Okay? So now let's look at these. Um, and let's, we'll put the other column up there so you can just finish writing and then we'll talk about this. So this, what this says is love, hope, and faith. We've heard those before. That's not, that's not rocket science. It's not anything new. Now let's look at this chart now. Let's look at it from left to right. It's not wealth and beauty. It is close friends and a good marriage because love is what's really going to make a good life. Okay? It's not thrilling experiences. It's actually having control over your life. Hope. Is what comes out of that. Because if you've got control, not, not where God doesn't have control, but you at least go, okay, I'm not maxed out, stressed out at every moment. I'm going to move forward with this and take this, this forward. And I've got some control in my life. In that, then there's hope. You go, okay, this is okay. I'm not going crazy um, in the moment right now because the stock market's going crazy. You know, If your life and the Dow Jones are directly related, that's a bad deal, you know? If your life and the election is directly related, that's a bad deal. I heard a lot of uh, Christians with just kind of a uh, the sky is falling um, type type deal. And, you know, whoever wins, it, it's, it's still going to be planet Earth, you know, until Jesus returns. And then we won't need planet Earth anymore. He's going to make another one. And so what verse I've been claiming throughout this election time is my citizenship is in heaven. So that totally changes it. I'm an American, I love my country, I'm a patriot, but my true citizenship is in heaven. And so God's going to be able to do what he needs to do, and I'm praying, and I voted, and all of those things. But I'm not looking for my life is out of control if so-and-so gets elected. My life's in control if so-and-so gets elected. No, it's saying God is in control. And so having that control aspect um, is, a, is an amazing thing. Then lastly, personal accomplishments, vibrant religious faith, equals faith. It's not how much we accomplish. It's how much um, we trust the Lord and go. Next time you're in somebody's house or uh, maybe it's a restaurant or something like that where there's kind of these trophies on the wall, just look around at them and see them and realize how much dust they've collected, you know, that they just pass. They just pass by. Who won the Super Bowl three years ago? Anybody remember? Pittsburgh? Sure. Nobody really knows, right? Now, the guys on the team, they would know. A couple football fans would know, but it's, it's over. We don't really know. And the same thing with our accomplishments and our trophies. How much use is your letterman jacket from high school today? Wear that to, off, to the office next week. <laughs> Not on Halloween. Just wear it and say, hey, guys, and this all day long, talk about what you were involved in in junior high. Say, hey, yeah, did y'all know in eighth grade, I was on the B team, you know, and I, I was, uh, you know, it, 
It doesn't matter, right? But in that moment, that was huge. You know, like I talked about in the sermon a couple weeks ago, I went to my 20th year reunion, and I got to talk to the popular people. Ha! It was awesome. I felt so cool. You know, what I would have given my right arm to talk to, to that girl in, in uh, you know, my junior year of high school, and I'm 38 and married, and I don't care. It doesn't matter. Same thing's happening now a little bit with what we're doing, right? But we live present tense. Okay, so let's keep on going. The, the, the good life can't be defined in, in those ways. And here's the bad news for you. I got to tell you, even if you live in that center column, life is still going to stink to some point. Do you know that? It's still a broken, fallen world. And so when you wake up in the morning and sometimes you're a little bit down, that's normal life. Now, if you're depressed and you need to talk to somebody as a counselor or a counseling center, that's a different ballgame. But, you know, when you wake up, everybody doesn't wake up and just go, yeah, every day. And if they do, a lot of times that's personality-driven more than it is actually life-driven. Life is difficult. And even if you're living the good life, it's still not heaven, right? Two cars in the garage and your bill's paid isn't going to just make heaven happen. So you got to realize that and be able to walk through life and go, you know what? Today was a good day. It was great. It, you know, we're doing good. Um, this this past week, and then we'll, we'll go into the next thing, but just to share my heart. I like I like just kind of talking with y'all more than having a slick presentation in this. Um, my wife, Kelly, y'all know her or know of her. Um, her cousin uh, has brain cancer. He's got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and he's, he's maybe 41. He had about five years ago, and um, it went into remission, and they did some, some uh, you know, operating and different things, thought they had got it, and now it's back, and it's stage four, very aggressive. Um, he's doing chemo, uh, radiation every day, and, and, and it's just an amazing thing. Well, they stayed at our house Monday night, and it was his mom, his brother, and him, and uh, they came to our house, and... Uh, it was a rough day, and so I got home, and this is going to sound bad, but this is just life. I had forgotten that they were in our house all day. You know, i just been, I was here doing my deal. I don't know if you're like me, but I get I get at the office, and I'm in that, that drawer is open, and I'm there, and I can forget about everything else and do that. The, the bad thing is sometimes I can get home, and the office drawer can still be open. I'm not as good at opening the home drawer and closing this one off as well. And that's, that's where you have this winning at work and at home because a lot of men are geared like that. I got home, and I thought, I'm the most selfish person on the face of the earth. The things I've been concerned about today while he's in radiation, you know, with cancer. Golly. It brought it back. to We, we ate dinner. We had a, had a nice dinner um, at our house. His mom, his brother, my mom came over, Kelly, me, Grayson, and then we played. We played indoor baseball at our house with a spatula, a little sponge ball, and so we, we hit the ball in, in the house, and that's really fun. So Grayson was on, um, uh, Lane is the one that's got cancer, Alan is his brother, Grayson and Alan were on the same team, and I was on another team. We were playing each other, and I sat there, and I thought, you know what? I think this is really what life all comes down to. It really comes down to a good meal in indoor baseball, you know? And, and Lane sat there in the chair. He played shortstop. We had a little chair, and he just sat in the chair and caught a ball because it hit him in the chest and just rolled down in his lap. And I thought, this is the good life. It's not a Lamborghini, right? It's not me on the cover of Preacher Monthly going, new worship center, young man did it. You know, I mean, it's not, it's just, it's silliness. It's spending time with people that you love. And that brings us into our next point. 
on the next page. The good life is a threesome. The good life is a threesome. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 4, um, and this is what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, one will lift up his companion. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken or quickly torn apart. Ecclesiastes 4.12. I've got my wedding ring right here. And this wedding ring has an inscription in it. It says 8-2-97. So you know what that is. That's our anniversary. And the next thing inscribed in it is ECC dot. That stands for Ecclesiastes 4 colon 12. This verse is in my wedding ring. So that each day I have this verse right here in my, in my, uh, on my hand in my wedding ring to be able to remind me that marriage is a threesome. Marriage is a threesome. That God is a sinner and that my wife and that me, we're going for it, for God. And as we grow together, we're going to grow in the Lord. As we grow to the Lord, we're going to grow together. And to be able to have that happen, that's your little triangle there. God is on the top part. Man is on the bottom left. And woman is on the bottom right. Now you think about that as a mountain. As you climb to God, you're going to be closer to your wife. As, you, as she climbs to God, she's going to be closer to you. And she's going to be closer to God as well. And y'all are going to grow closer together. So this triangle is a great way to picture it. So I ask you this. Where would you take a little mark and mark where you think you are on the triangle and where you think your wife is on the triangle? Okay? Where is she ahead of you? Is she uh, uh, below you in a sense? And I'm not trying to create judgment. That's not what I'm trying to do. But to be able to see what, where we are and to challenge us. Because a lot of times our wives are godlier than we are. You know, Sometimes uh, I've said before, you know, church is for girls you know, is what we've got in our mind. Because we come, we dress up with pretty clothes and, and sing pretty songs. It would be a little bit more, you know, promise keepers, if we could eat popcorn in the worship center, you know, more guys might come. You know, but to be able to, to see that we need to not have our, our wives leading the home spiritually, we need to be leading the home spiritually. And to be able to be challenging that to let it go forward so that we can, we can grow in that. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to take, if you will, I'm going to go to this one. It's closer for me. This is where most of men live, right here. It's like a little curve going over. What I mean by that is we live in this quadrant of our own selfishness. Instead, or this uh, trifecta, I don't know what you call it when it's not a quadrant, but the third little corner here, when you go up to God, so we, we, instead of going up to God, we stay down here. Instead of really connecting with our wives, we stay over here. And we kind of stay in our own little corner. And staying in our own little corner leaves us lonely, leaves us guilty, leaves us always feeling like we're losing at home and we're losing at work. Remember the first time I spoke and we had two mirrors on the stage? We looked into one mirror and said, am I doing it good enough at home? Looked into another mirror, am I doing it good enough at work? And when we stay in that corner, we're really defeating ourselves. We're defeating ourselves. Something that I've been trying to do just lately in, in my marriage is pray more uh, with my wife out loud. Uh, you know, we're, we're busy folks just like you are. And so sometimes you, you get in bed and we, we, she has her quiet time, I have my quiet time. But to really pray together. And so what, what I've been doing is just as simple as this is uh, before we go to sleep, we'll turn off the lights, and I'll just kind of roll over. I don't know. I, this would be kind of interesting. How many of y'all, if you're laying in bed, you're on the left-hand side of the bed if you're a married man? How many of you guys sleep on the left? Okay. How many of you guys sleep on the right? There you go. 
Are any of the people on the left also left in their political views right? I'm kidding. Yeah. I sleep on the left. Uh, but the, uh, so I, 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 so I roll over to the right and, and I just put my arms around her and just snuggle with her and I just pray. I don't say, let's pray. I just start praying. Lord, we just pray and I pray for our kids to be saved. I pray for our kids to be safe and I just pray. And I think there's something really powerful for her as a lady to feel her husband's arms around her and to hear my voice in her ear praying to the Lord. That's a great, great thing. And it's good for me spiritually, too, because it's a little bit of symbolic of this three strands coming together, you know. So then we snuggle until my right arm goes to sleep or hurts her head too much. And then she goes, I love you, but can we not snuggle anymore? You know, or I go, I love you, but I'm head over my side, you know. And so we just can't do the sleep and snuggle at the same time. So it's, it's kind of a precursor to sleep. So my arm goes to sleep. So when my arm goes to sleep, I head back over to the left side of the bed. And, and then uh, we, uh, we go on our way and see each other in the morning. But So do that. Do something like that. Grab her hand. Pray with her. Be, be a person that prays quickly and apologizes quickly. And if that happens in your marriage, if you pray quickly and apologize quickly, you got some good stuff that's going to happen. When we apologize slowly... With an excuse, I'm sorry that you felt bad when I did what you shouldn't have taken wrong. That doesn't count. The only time we ever pray is we bless food, you know, and we don't pray. Be praying quickly. Drive the car. Lord, I just pray right now and just, just throw it out there. And that will bring you up to that point a little bit better. Number three, our faith. Where's the good life found? Number one, faith and a woman. We talked about that. It's a threesome. And number uh, three, Roman numeral three, our faith. I want to share with you John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this. It says, I have come to give life and give it abundantly. Right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it the fullest or have it abundantly. I'm going to tell you my testimony, if you will. I was 16 um, when I came to Christ. I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, we, I would have checked the box Catholic is what I would have checked. I was baptized as a baby in, in St. Michael's Catholic Church in Crowley, Louisiana. So not only was my family a Catholic, we were Cajun Catholic, which is like a whole nother uh, type of level on it. So and we, were, we weren't Cajun that had like chickens running around in our front yard, you know, but we were just Cajun that had gumbo. Okay, that's, that, was, that was a good part of it. So that's kind of how I grew up. We didn't go to church much. Um, I didn't know what it meant to be be a Christian. I, was, I said I was a Christian, but I didn't know what it meant to have Jesus in my heart, I should say. I remember one time my cousin, he had this thing that was a brown shoestring. It was, I think I called it a scapula. It had a picture of Mary on one side and a picture of Jesus on the other. And if you wore it and you were wearing it when you died, you'd go to heaven. And so I wore that for a week one day and thought, or week one day, week uh, in the summer one time, and wore that the whole time hoping that, okay, well, this, that's, this is how you get to heaven. I was just beginning to seek a little bit in my heart. And then finally when I was 16, um, I experimented with drugs a little bit. I experimented with alcohol a little bit. I experimented with promiscuity. Um, all of those things, just that high school do this to have the good life type thing. And then finally, um, I was a, I was a sacker at Randall's, Randall's number 18. It was on Beechnut and Wilcrest, and now it's um, something else. It's not even Randall's anymore, but I was a sacker there, and there's this cute checker. And so I just started checking on her aisle, you know. And so it was kind of sad for the, the older ladies that were checkers. Nobody would sack on their aisles because all the guys wanted to talk to all the cute girl checkers. So I would just stay there and just sack, and we'd talk and talk and talk. So anyway, um, we, we started dating, and she started telling me about Christ. 
She went to Second Baptist on Michael W. Smith concert and got fired up about the gospel and came in. And then it was when you would talk on the phone to like the cordless phone would run out of batteries and you try to talk underneath your pillow so your parents wouldn't hear you type thing. So we would talk till two in the morning. So she, she just told me about, you know, if you don't know Christ, then heaven is not going to be where you go when you die because it's a relationship in Jesus. It's not just being a good person. And if you've never trusted Christ as your savior, then he doesn't live in your heart. He wants to. He loves you. I started crying on the phone, 16 years old, because it hit me that if I was to die, I wasn't assured that I was going to go to heaven. So the next night, off A-Leaf Clodine Road in some little neighborhood, uh, I went over to what I didn't know would be my youth minister's house, and he talked to me about the Lord, and we sat there in his house, and he shared Christ with me. My biggest fear was I was going to lose all my friends. And finally, he, he was really bold. It was a good move. He said, said, Greg, look, it's getting late. Either you need to become a Christian tonight or we just need to meet some other time. I said, but what if, what if I lose all my friends? He said, well, we've, we've talked about that two or three times now. You need, to just, you need to just decide. Either you're going to become a Christian tonight or we can meet later. But I, I got to get, get in bed. I got a big day tomorrow. And I'm like... This doesn't sound like a good evangelism strategy to me. You know, I didn't know how to verbalize that, but I thought you're supposed to just talk to me until I want to quit talking. But it was great. I went, he goes, so are you ready? Or do you believe Jesus is the Savior? Do you believe that, that you need him to forgive your sins? Do you want to pray and ask him to come in your heart, forgive your sins? And I said, yeah, I do. And so I prayed right there and prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. And I walked out of the door that, that night and got into my girlfriend at the time's car. And I was like, man. Wow, this is amazing. And for me, you know, not everybody can chart out every, the, the exact moment and the exact time. That's okay. Don't let that freak you out. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Billy Graham's wife doesn't know the exact date. That's okay. I think she's saved, you know. But to be able to come to that, that place where you've trusted Jesus. And so I knew October 21st, 1986, I left that house and everything was different. I still struggled, still do today. But everything was different in my heart. I got to lead a guy to the Lord last week. Um, a guy that was coming from Muslim faith, Islam, became a Christian. He started talking about, wow, I feel different. I feel clean. He was just speaking about regeneration. It's a relationship with Jesus. Then later in that, on the father-son connection, and even with my wife, we drove past there. and We pulled up, and I said, see that house right there, Grayson? That's where Daddy prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be a Savior. That little moment with my son, little moment with my wife, to be able to do that. Is that something that you've trusted? Have you trusted Jesus to be your Savior? Because that's the most important thing of the good life. That's what really makes the difference. And the next little four blanks that we have here, to just write these down real quick, it gives us the gospel. Number one, it starts with God's mercy. It starts with God's great mercy. You see the verse up above, according to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. Number two, it's offered through a living hope. Number three, it promises a secure future. That's heaven. Number four, it only comes alive when you die and are born again. And so this is the moment, you know, we've been talking about a lot of things in these first six sessions. But this is a moment where it's very important, if, as we talk about the good life, that we really nail down and say, okay, have I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior? Have I prayed and asked Christ to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins? Do I know that I'm going to heaven when I die? If you have not done that, if you have not done that, you could talk to me, you could talk to Eric, you could talk to somebody around your table and say, you know what, when we got to point three, I felt like, like God was just knocking on my heart. And can, you, can we talk about this a little bit, you know? 
and to be able to just share and to see and to really understand because that is the most important thing of living the good life. Number four, and then we'll, we'll be done. Tell someone close to you. So what's next? Tell someone close to you. And, and B, I want you to cross out, put an X through the word find, and I want you to write uh, the, this phrase, I have found. Okay? Just cross out find and write, I have found. So now it should read, I have found a group of people seeking to follow Jesus and join them. I have found a group of people seeking to follow Jesus and join them. That's what's sitting in this room. That's what this whole building is about, is a group of people following Jesus and walking it out to be able to join them. Close with this last little thing. After I became a Christian, I had a whole bunch of friends that were doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And then I discovered this whole group of friends. It was at Wilcrest Baptist Church, Wilcrest in Bel Air, just right out in Ayleaf. This, this neighborhood church. I'm still friends with the pastor. He wasn't the pastor at the time, but a new pastor. We were buddies. And that youth group began to be that group of people that followed Jesus with me. You know, and I needed that. I needed that as a student. Then I got to college. When I got to college, I found some roommates and some other folks that they were following Jesus. And I connected in with them. Then I graduated college and I found some other friends that were following Jesus and I connected with them. Then I started dating a sweet little girl named Kelly. She was following Jesus. And we connected and we started following him on that triangle. And then now I've got a bunch of friends with you guys and other folks here at the church and people outside the church. And it's important for the pastor to have friends outside the church too, you know. And so to be able to have friends out there that they're following Jesus. And so we're going, and I got some folks that, man, they're lost as a goose. I want to be in their life. And so they're friends. And I'm hoping to share with them to follow Jesus. And what I've found and what I think that you would find is truth is that the good life doesn't come down to what kind of stuff I have, right? Doesn't come down to how pretty I am or the people I run around with. Doesn't come down to possessions. It doesn't come down to wealth or beauty. Doesn't come down to accomplishments. It's not that I need to go bungee jump, you know, about every six weeks to have a thrilling experience. It comes down to faith, hope, and love. And that's what puts a foundation in your life that's secure and stable. It makes your life where you can look at the commercials on TV and say, you know what? I think it's different. I don't think it's I need a little captain in me. I think it's I need a little Jesus in me. And I don't think it's me just meeting some girl um, and everybody thinking I'm something. I think it's me sticking with the same woman for a long, long time. So death do his part. And that single, guys, man, that's, that's the heart you're looking for. Better to be single wanting to be married than being married wanting to be single. And living out that life of the good life, it really comes down to the simple things. And for me, I saw a picture of it Monday night at my house, a spatula in my hand, a little foamy ball coming, indoor baseball after we had enchiladas with some family that we love. That was what it all came down to. Didn't have anything to do with anything else. And our faith, obviously, was the foundation of all of that. Let's pray and we'll divide up into our groups. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We love you. We pray as we go over these questions, you'd give us good, good uh, conversation and ability, Lord. We, we appreciate you and we trust you. And we ask that we really would find abundant, good life, not in self-help pop theology, but, Father, in true Christian faith. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.